Welcome to the Above180.com podcast. I'm Tim Berg, along with Joy Sarar. This week, we have some more great information that's going to help you become a better bowler and take your game to the next level. Joey, we want to start out this episode talking again about bowling balls. And tell me about some of the balls that were reviewed in the September and October issue of the Bowler's Journal magazine. I'd love to, Tim. I mean, uh, I had the pleasure of testing four interesting products in the September issue. Uh, the first product that we'll talk about is from Motive, and they've made all symmetrical cores. Their first asymmetric core is in the September issue called the Cruel C51. And I'll tell you, they, they've made some great balls over the years, but this is their first asymmetric design. And what that means is that core, which is the engine of that ball, can really influence the down lane motion. So this is going to be a ball that's going to be very angular and going to be something that we're going to want to use on a heavier oil pattern then, correct? Well, again, Tim, it, when I say asymmetric and it can influence the, the down lane motion, it can be either arcing, it can be either strong mid lane, or it can be long and left turn on the back end for a right-handed bowler. Uh, most players with this cover, and again, it's not their strongest cover, and, and they didn't want to put their strongest cover on there primarily because they wanted ease, ease of length. But when this core takes over, it can really allow this ball to increase the angle of entry, which you know as well as I do, the stronger the ball enters the pocket, the less 10 pins we're going to leave, which is always a good thing. Was Motif's intent what the actual ball did for you guys? It tested phenomenally well, Tim, on probably eight of our ten test patterns that month. And, uh, again, we were able to bowl on more variations of, of oil patterns since we only had four balls. Typically, I have about two weeks to drill the balls, test them, write the review. So there's a little bit of a time crunch there. But, uh, again, the ball played well on flatter patterns, such as PBA sport patterns, as well as kegel patterns. And on house conditions, uh, I mean, it came to life, I would say, more so with factory finish, which is uh, from Motive at a 2,000 grit. But I'll tell you, polished, the, the ball really was angular. So if you want le- angular, length and angular, you put a little shine on the ball t- to increase the skid, and it can actually quicken the response off dry. Uh, but on a, on a typical house shot, balls at 2,000 grit, 4,000 grit tend to be friendlier, Tim. Great. And then moving forward, you also reviewed a, a, and tested a, a ball from Storm called the Too Fast. Is that correct? Well, we, yeah, we tested two of them from Storm. And uh, one's called the Too Fast and one's called the Too Furious. And they're kind of a, a variation of last year's Fast and Furious. Same cover, stronger weight block, basically gives the ball a little bit more hook in that 35 to 42 foot range and a smoother back end. So they weren't made to skid longer and hook sharper, but basically give bowlers a little better traction in that mid lane. Uh, not all bowlers are going to like that motion, believe it or not, and, uh, but, but Storm is, is a strong proponent of offering variety in hook shape and let the consumer choose their favorite. Great. So a lot of that really then has to come down to trusting your pro shop operator to say, I'm looking for a ball that can do X, and then having them help you and say, well, here's what I have that fits that, correct? Ideally. And, and you know, 
I have the luxury, again, of testing every new ball. Most pro shop operators can test a few select balls. That's why sometimes it's good to wait a week or two or three for a ball to kind of shake shake down a little bit uh, and, and start reading some reviews online. Uh, you know, you can go to bowlersjournal.com and read some of our reviews. And, and there's other good sites that, that also offer opinions of, of what the ball can do. But, you know, talk to your ball driller and say, have you thrown this ball or, or has one of your better customers thrown it? And, and what does he feel about this ball? Uh, I think once a ball has been out on the market for a while, I mean, players and, and pro shop operators themselves get a much clearer picture and better understanding of what a ball can do. You can't always believe the marketing hype, as I've learned real quickly. And the manufacturer may say, oh, it's going to do this and that. And it doesn't always do that exactly. The last ball then that we have in this issue would be the uh, ball by Global 900 called the Bank. Tell me about the Bank. I'll tell you, the Bank does just what the name implies. You can bank it, and, and it comes back. I mean, it's a strong cover. Uh, they rate their covers with a number system. Uh, they go as low as 30, and so far as high as right around 95. And this is an S73 cover, so it's a solid reactive. comes sanded at 4,000. We gave it a 53 hook rating, which is pretty pretty strong. I mean, that, that's above average, and uh, like the motive came in at 54, so they're, they're within a half a board board of each other. Uh, but basically, the the selling point of the bank is it has a new core. It, it's a mild asymmetric core that has only one stable point. Now you need to be in physics to, to really understand that, but basically, as the core rotates through its axis migration it always wants to find the stable point. And having only one stable point, this, this ball is designed for less deflection, more down lane continuation. And to be honest with you, uh, compared to other 900 global cores, the ball finished very, very good. Great. So this is going to be a ball then that we're probably going to want to use on those medium to, to heavier house patterns, maybe your, your more flooded sport patterns, or if you run into a, a typical house pattern where they just flood the heck out of the lanes, correct? Yeah, and, and I think that's what a lot of manufacturers target is they, they want balls that will work for the masses and for bowlers who bowl on more, say, condition-specific lane conditions, you have to pay closer attention to changing the surface slightly or, or doing a more exotic layout on the ball to help modify the, the, the shape. But the way that ball comes from the factory, you're right, it's going to work on 95% of typical house conditions. The only player that may have trouble with a bank or, or that motive would be the uh, slower speed player or the extremely high rev player with, with moderate speed because it, it could overhook. Great, Joey. And one of the things that, that I've been starting to hear a lot about with a lot of these new equipment as I'm getting them drilled up or hearing people over, you know, overhearing people in the shop talk about and hearing you guys talk about there in the shop is something called dual angle layouts and, and different drilling patterns. So could you explain that, I guess, to our listeners? I'll, I'll try my best. It, it's a little complicated and a little complex for the layman, but, uh, I mean, a, a knowledgeable ball driller will understand it implicitly. But it's basically different terminology for what we've been doing for the last 20 years, except dual angle terminology defines it more and makes it easier for a, a ball driller to fine-tune ball reaction. Uh, I'll ask you a question, Tim. How many phases of roll does a ball go through as it leaves your hand and hits the pins? It's a, it's a tough question. Yeah, I'm going to say three. 
And you are exactly right. And can you name those three? Skid. Perfect. Roll. And the third one, I'm, I, I can't think of the name, but more of a continuation or a continue rolling. Or, or uh, the third one's going to stump me. Well, you, you're pretty close. And you know, and what it is is skid, because obviously with spin off your hand and, and oil in the front portion of the lane, you're, you're going to see skid. The ball's not grabbing yet. Uh, the second phase is the hook phase. That's where the ball leaves the skid phase, starts its motion to counteract the side rotation you're putting on the ball. In other words, regardless if you're going straight with the boards or, or creating some launch angle, eventually the ball has to return toward the pocket. The final roll phase, and in, in my opinion, and I think even Mo Pinnell's, the most important phase is the roll phase. Because eventually all balls stop hooking and begin to roll. When the ball enters the roll phase at the proper time, we strike unbelievably well. If the ball is hooking into the pocket, at, at, you know, in other words, stay, it stays in the hook phase too long, you're going to see the back roll. You're going to see eights, nines, sevens, because it's never going to go through the pins consistently. Yet it can roll through the pins consistently. And that's why we as ball drillers, we as bowlers need to really watch those three phases. We need enough skid to get the ball, not to start hooking at 10 feet. We need enough hook so the ball recovers toward the 1-3, for a right-handed bowler, obviously. And we need to see it get into that roll phase. Uh, some bowlers call it hook out. Uh, some call it roll out. But the bottom line is you want the ball to roll end over end as it enters the pins for maximum pin carry. Uh, USBC did a lot of tests on this. Mo Pinnell has, and and that's just that's the fact, man. You, you got to get it into that roll phase. Uh, what dual angle technology can do is really define those three phases by layout choice. As opposed to a, a guy who who maybe says, okay, the heads are starting to fry a little. I'm going to throw it a little harder to get it into that get it into that skid phase and you know to keep it in that skid phase longer correct and then you start trying to say can i throw it harder consistently can i throw it harder all the time do i want to have to throw it harder because then you start making some some errors in, in your mechanics correct well being uh, us being amateurs you're correct i mean a pba player probably not uh we all bowl as recreation and as a hobby even though we may take it somewhat seriously we're not that proficient at it because we have jobs you know we work full-time so, you know, a bowler's typical reaction as the lanes break down, like you say, you're going to move your feet and target. When it works, fine. When it doesn't work, do you work with loft or speed? Let's say you can, and that doesn't work. That's where the dual angle can come in. Say you have two, again, for argument's sake, we'll use the roto-grip cell pearl. One drilled with a 30-degree drilling angle, which is the first element of dual angle. One drilled with a 70-degree drilling angle. The 70-degree drilling angle will stay in that skid phase noticeably longer. The core will start revving up later. So simply by making a switch from a low drilling angle to a higher drilling angle can help that ball clear the fronts, clear that dryer, say mid lane around 20 feet or so, without the bowler making any physical adjustment. Great. And how can I know that my, my bowling ball is getting, aside from, like you said, the, the pin carry and the eights and nines, if I'm getting a good consistent roll? Is that where you're maybe carrying that light hit a little better? Maybe tapping out the, the six pin is just kicking out the ten pin? What's a, something that the, the bowler can watch for to make sure their ball is getting into all three phases, pro or the, at least the third phase properly? 
you know, it's not always easy to see, and uh, even a trained eye has a hard time seeing it. But I found when you put, uh, say, white, uh, either bowler's tape or, or a lighter color masking tape on the ball during a practice session, obviously, and you can watch the tape transition and move as the ball rolls down the lane, you can see it skid, you can see it start in the hook phase, and then eventually you'll see that tape straighten out and, and get into the roll phase. Uh, again, it, it's sometimes you have to feel it, you don't always see it, but, you know, getting back to the dual angle, okay, we now know that the first element of dual angle drilling can affect how long the ball stays in the skid phase or, oppositely, how quickly it gets into the hook phase. Uh, and, again, that hook phase is determined basically by the, ang the second element of dual angle drilling, which is called the angle to the valve, which is the vertical axis line. That number is real bit important in that a low valve angle the ball responds quicker to friction and has a shorter hook zone, which means it'll enter the roll phase sooner. So let's use our example again with the cell pearl, one with 30 degrees off the valve, one at 70. The 30 degree off the valve will respond quickly, giving us a quicker hook motion. So if you're on a 45-foot oil pattern, quick is good. Whereas you're if you're on a 35-foot pattern, you definitely want the ball to have a longer hook zone, okay, because you don't want it to get into the roll phase too soon. You follow that, Tim? I do. I was going to say exactly. When, you, when, when you're on a 45-foot pattern, you're going to want that ball to start turning the corner a little bit earlier than if you're on a 35- or 38-foot pattern. Obviously, because if it enters that hook phase, you know, and roll phase late, you're going to ring corner pins and wonder, you know, why am I leaving, you know, five... 10 pins a game on good releases, you know, and, and it looks like a, a perceived good angle to the pocket. Now, the, the third angle of dual angle drilling is the pin distance from your positive axis point. This can get a little bit messy or tricky for bowlers to understand, even some ball drillers, because uh, it differs quite a bit contingent upon if you're drilling a symmetric core or an asymmetric core. Today's show, let, let's just focus on asymmetric weight blocks, which are what most of the powerful balls have inside them, as does your cell pearl. Longer pin distances, say of four and a half, five, five and a half inches from your axis, can help promote a heavier forward roll, which can be beneficial for heavier oil or for bowlers who have what, what's called high-axis tilt, high-axis rotation. In other words, the bowler that comes off the side of the ball, like a Pete Weber. Lower pin distances with asymmetrics, say a 3-inch pin distance to a 4, can help a ball retain axis rotation longer, Excuse me, which basically means the ball can have more length and a sharper back-end hook motion. That can be beneficial for, say, a bowler like Walter Ray, that has a low axis tilt, and he needs a little help, say, in the last 20 feet where the ball can, can tip and, and, and give him a little more entry into the pocket. Yeah, that's a great example there because, like you said, a guy taking those two contrasting styles, both of them being very successful, but they both have very different needs when it comes to having a bowling ball laid out. And even, like you mentioned, with the dual angle layout, they're going to need different pieces to do different things. Well, that, that's it, Tim. You know, you can take... These three bowlers, uh, Walter Ray, low tilt, low rotation. And by rotation, I don't mean revolutions or rev rate. I mean his role is forward. Then you have Norm Duke in the middle, 
which is where most bowlers typically are. And then you have Pete Weber, which is a little higher rev player, but a lot of side rotation. All three of those bowlers with, say, the same bowling ball will need different layouts uh, because their role is so different on the same lane condition now, right? Even if their speed is identical, even if their rev rate was identical because their roles are so different, that's where dual angle terminology or technology, as some call it, really comes into play. In other words, Pete Weber has to stay away from certain drilling angles and layouts where Walter Ray would use the opposite, as you see, because their role is so different, Tim. Well, exactly, and I would guess that that also means that there are certain conditions and patterns and balls that favor one versus the other, correct? Well, obvious. You know, I mean, the ball is important, but through my testing, I'll tell you, a lot of times in a medium oil pattern, I mean, any ball can work if you can find friction and stay in oil long enough, obviously, but with the right layout, you may carry 70, 80% of your good shots. With the wrong layout, you're going to carry 50%. And, and that's what makes the difference of shooting 580 or 680. Well, and that right there is, is the whole point and the whole point of this podcast and the whole idea behind this podcast is a help because there's your, your from your 180 average bowler, like you, like you mentioned, to your 200, 205, 210 average bowler is, is having that right layout in the, in the bowling ball and getting that extra tip, you know, kick of the 10 pin or light swisher strike that you might not have received if you're averaging 180, you know, if you're averaging 180 that you're not getting. Right. And, you know, I mean, and touching base on the dual angle, uh, again, it's, uh, it, it's terminology. It's just different terminology, but it's an accurate way to, to assess a bowler's arsenal. And, and it's all contingent, again, on the individual bowler. I mean, I take, we all take into account the bowler's ball speed off his hand, his, his rev rate, uh, his axis tilt, which basically equates to his track diameter, uh, his axis rotation, which again is the, the forward roll or side roll, and the intended condition he's going to play on. So, you know, a bowler could have three roto grip cell pearls, Tim, with different layouts to affect subtly the total hook, but more dramatically the shape of the hook. And then that same bowler could modify those surfaces. And in reality, that one type of ball with three distinct layout changes let's say and surface changes you could hit any condition you see tim a lot of people do that because they like the like the ball like the way it rolls uh, and just like the, the the company the manufacturer and and are sometimes afraid to to move on to a different piece that may do the same thing or they may not and there's that there's that unknown in there well see and that's what i run into it with consumers and customers i mean they may have a ball that they absolutely love on certain conditions and they come in to buy a new ball. They don't want to modify the one they, they love because they like where it is, but they want something to complement it. And that's where, again, a knowledgeable ball driller can say, okay, these four or five balls on my, my ball wall here should satisfy the hook amount you're looking for. Now let's get into the layout so I, I can ensure you get the right shape of hook, and then you should get what you want. It, it's like buying the right golf club. You know, if you have five irons and seven irons and nine irons in your bag and, and no long iron like a three, I mean, you simply buy a three. But with bowling balls, there's quite a bit more to it. Exactly, Joey. And we've run out of time for this edition of the Above180.com podcast. I've co-host Tim Berg along with my co-host and ball driller and expert Joey Sarar. Joey, thanks again and, and uh, look forward to talking to you next week. 
Thank you, Tim. It's a pleasure being here.